time for a weekly COVID update. Here is Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, vaccine researcher, family physician, who joins us once again on a Wednesday. Dr. Gorfinkel, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. All right. Back on Monday, Ontario reporting no COVID deaths. And that was notable because it's the first time that has happened in nearly a month. So, Dr. Gorfinkel, first off, what does that tell us when it comes to exactly where we are here in the pandemic? Is the sixth wave, is it now ending, do you think? Well, I want to get on my dancing shoes, right? That's a huge thing that there are no deaths. But the problem is, they're not ready to come out of the closet just yet because the pandemic is not over. True, over 50% of Ontarians have now had COVID-19. Think about that. That's five times the number since December. It's crazy how many people are getting this disease. But we cannot ignore the fact that the numbers are still high historically. Yes, they're down compared to early January significantly, and hopefully they'll continue on that downward trajectory. But they're still relatively high compared to the rest of the pandemic. So that's a bit of a problem. But the case numbers have come down 25% in the past week, so that's exciting. And hopefully the warm weather will keep it that way. But there are no guarantees. All right. So when it comes to whether or not the sixth wave is coming to an end, do we need to look at other factors, in particular positivity and transmission uh, rates? Because I know, incidentally, I'm hearing once again more and more friends, uh, associates, colleagues uh, coming down with COVID, testing uh, positive. It seems to be in, uh, I think, a lot of people's circles right now. They're hearing uh, once again about more and more positive cases. So, again, do we have to look at things like uh, the transmission rate a little more closely? Absolutely. And if you take a look, wastewater signals are down, cases are down, hospital occupancy, ICU slightly down. But the basic is this. We're dealing with BA2. We're basically 100% BA2 at this point. And what do we have? We have one of the most contagious viruses, if not the most contagious virus, the world has ever seen. So one person, on average, will infect 12 people. It's incredible to think how many Ontarians have been infected in just a few short months. It's massive. So we still have a lot of Ontarians to go if just over half are estimated to be infected so far. All right. When we talk about it, we look at variants. You mentioned BA2, but of course the world has got their eyes on 4 and 5, BA4 and 5. And uh, what is the latest out of uh, South Africa? What's the news there regarding those subvariants? Yeah, so what's concerning is that you know, there have been numerous Omicron subvariants identified. And what Omicron's big thing is how contagious it is. And in South Africa, in just the past week, they've seen an extremely concerning sign. Case numbers went up three times, and that's related to BA4 and BA5. So up there. And don't forget, that's where BA1, the original Omicron subvariant, had first been identified in South Africa. So the big question, is the disease more severe? We don't know just yet. We know that BA4 and BA5 has been identified already in the U.S., but in low levels. We don't know for sure, is this in Canada and to what degree? But this is another argument that would favor getting the old mask out and making sure we're using that because this is still a preventable disease. Most likely, it's going to be prevented through vaccinations to some degree. And I say that because it's great at preventing hospitalizations, but we have seen 
that it is not, our vaccines are not good enough at preventing cases from all right. When we talk about uh, vaccinations, whether it be a BA2, BA4, BA5, that we're watching all these as subvariants, uh, vaccinations, vaccines, obviously we know they are critical when it comes to hospitalizations, as you mentioned. And there's a new poll. This is out of the uh, U.S., but I think it uh, bears uh, repeating and discussing here. When it comes to vaccination for those under five, kids under five, just 18% of parents say they are willing to vaccinate their kids under the age of five right away, according to this poll, Dr. Gore Finkel. And uh, 27% of parents said that their child will definitely not get vaccinated. Uh, What should we take from this poll? There's a lot of vaccine hesitancy. I read the poll myself with great interest because two out of five people say, hey, we're going to wait and see how this thing works. And over half feel there's just not enough information. You know, so they look at Moderna's data. And now Moderna, they have applied for what's called emergency use authorization in the United States for vaccinations for kids under six. So this is age six months to six years. And, and, you know, the FDA isn't moving so fast. For one thing, you know, the numbers are way down in the United States right now. And they're also hoping to wait for Pfizer's data, which is expected to come out next month. Now, Moderna, they're, they're saying, okay, we can give this to kids. We're going to give a quarter of the dose in two doses. But Pfizer's playing it a little more safe. They're maybe safe or just a little less vaccine, one-tenth the dose and three doses. So that's what they're hoping to do. And their data is based on Omicron, which is exciting. Vaccine efficacy, meh. Six months to two years, it's a 50% vaccine efficacy. For in, in two to five-year age group, it's 37% effective. This is the Moderna product. But, you know, you look at the data, 75% of kids in the United States have already had Omicron. The numbers are mind-boggling of how many kids have had natural infection. But the problem is we know that immunity wanes. It goes down over time, and Omicron, never mind Omicron, the novel coronavirus as a whole is extremely good at shape-shifting. So who knows how long that immunity will actually last. Yeah, and how critical is that vaccine for those under five? When we have this sort of vaccine hesitancy amongst uh, parents concerned about their kids at a young age under five, you know, I think a lot of parents believe uh, their kids are young, their immune systems are robust, uh, they'll be okay, that uh, the symptoms are uh, generally uh, less severe in uh, younger uh, children and kids. How critical, again, are those vaccines for those under the age of five, do you think? Yeah. It's a little bit more nuanced. The kids who are most at risk are the kids that are less than a year old, and that's where we have to tell them the pregnant women need to get vaccinated not only to protect them, but to protect their fetus. Pregnant women are especially at high risk, and that's still true now, and there is not a society that I can name or anybody can name, including the American Society and the Canadian Society of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, who are not saying that pregnant women need to get vaccinated to protect both them, now, what, both them and their infants. So the question is, what are we going to do for kids under five? their real risk of getting hospitalized beyond that first year are actually very low. Do we need a vaccine and how effective that vaccine will be? We do need more data on it. The data that we have now is young data, but it is concerning that if we don't vaccinate, there could be serious ramifications for future variants. 
It is not a given that all variants are going to affect the same age groups, and that's a real possibility. The likelihood of any one child who's under five getting hospitalized is about one in 50,000. But then it's a whole other debate. What's the likelihood of long COVID in these kids? And that cannot be ignored and has to be factored in. All right, we've got to step aside and take a break. When we come back, speaking of long COVID, we're going to talk a little bit more about COVID and new data out today, long COVID. When it comes to a possible impairment, cognitive impairment from those that have got long and or severe COVID, we'll break that down for you with Dr. Iris Gorfinkel coming up after this break. Stay with us. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink. 